Good morning, Lord Church. Happy Easter from the McComas family. He is risen. Happy Easter. Hey, Ward Church, happy Easter. This is the Widelick family watching from our living room. We just want to wish you all a happy and healthy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen indeed. Hi, we're the Shunk family from Novi, Michigan. And we just want to wish everybody a happy Easter. Happy Easter! Hi, Ward Church. We're the Coon family and we are worshiping from Plymouth, Michigan. Happy Easter. He is risen.
Our Savior lives, Gloria. Happy Easter, everybody. You are seated at home, and I am seated in an empty church sanctuary. It's an odd image for an Easter Sunday. I'm guessing the most of you are like me, and you go to church on Easter. Some of us have done this for decades. Even those of us who don't make it to church every Sunday, we make it on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is a day of hope. It's a day of resurrection. It's a day to believe that all things really are possible. We go to church to celebrate, to reflect, to sing, to be inspired, and to be with others who want to do the same. Usually church buildings are packed on Easter, but today church buildings everywhere are empty. The doors are locked. I am here today because I have a key. And I've come here with just a few people. We're being careful, but since you can't come here, we are coming to you. Virtual choirs, electronic lobbies, social distance. Maybe today God is reminding those of us who normally attend church of our own history. Since the very beginning, church was never about a place, but about a person. Make no mistake, the church exists because of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. It is the person of Jesus who draws us together. Not a place, a person. It's easy to get confused about church buildings. You see this evolution of thought. In the Old Testament, God's presence was thought to reside in the temple, a building. The temple was God's house. It was a holy place. When Jesus comes on the scene, he becomes the new temple. Now God resides in Jesus. The temple building was no longer needed. Then after Jesus' resurrection... The New Testament says you are God's temple. God lives in you, God's people. You are the living temple of the living God. The church is not a building, but a people called into being by a person, Jesus of Nazareth, the risen Savior. Now, of course, God's people have to gather somewhere, so buildings are helpful. Christians throughout history have treasured the gathering and have gone through great effort, often at great risk, to assemble together for worship and fellowship and prayer. Scripture says, do not neglect assembling together. Being together matters. When I say I miss the church, it's not this building that I miss, but the people who gather here. So today the church gathers as best we can. 
Thanks for sending in photos of yourself at worship at home. We've seen some great pictures of individuals and couples and families worshiping at home with their church. And you look fantastic. Uh, you have demonstrated that nothing, not stay-at-home orders, not quarantine, not social distancing, can keep the church from worship. Nothing can keep the church from gathering. And we have gathered on this day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to sing and read the Bible and pray. We're going to interact. I encourage you to use the chat feature in the virtual lobby and make some conversation. And of course, if you're with some people where you are, uh, you can mingle with them if you're not tired of them yet. In many ways, this Easter is very different from other Easter's we have known, but in other ways, in the most important ways, it is very much the same. God is still God. Jesus is still risen. He still sits on the throne. Death is still not the end, and hope is still alive. People have not gathered for the past 2,000 years to say the stock market has risen. It has risen indeed. They've not gathered to say the employment rate has risen or the gross domestic product has risen or the value of your 401k has risen. The one hope that has held human beings across every continent and culture together for two millennia in the face of difficult times of poverty, of disease, of pain, of hardship, of death itself is this, Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. And if you believe that today, would you say or type the word indeed? We're going to come back to that word indeed. The good news of Easter, the Easter greeting, Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. Let us worship him. Lord, now. 
Welcome to Ward Church Online Easter Celebration. I am so excited you guys are here. My name is Justin. And I'm Tyler. And, and we're going to walk through some announcements with you and, and get to hang out with you a little bit. But first, I want to say, yeah, we're, we're dressed up in suits we today. We are. And you're looking good. You're looking, looking very really good. Nice. I like yeah. the bow tie. So thank you. <clears throat> now, we encouraged a lot of you, Ward kids, families, we encourage you guys to dress up for Easter Sunday this week. So... We want to make sure that you are tagging us in your pictures, in your Instagram pictures, your Facebook pictures of you and your families dressed up, looking prim. Yes. You know, because I know a lot of us, you know, we're just wearing pajamas and not brushing our hair. I mean, not, we, we, you know, but anyway, um, but we want you guys, right, to have fun with this. And we're so excited you guys are here. Now, we're going to move right into our announcements here. Okay. Um, We're going to talk about our digital connect card. And this is a way that we can stay connected with you. And you can uh, connect here with our Ward Church app, or if you are watching on Ward Church Live right now, you'll see it at the bottom of the page, and you can connect with us there. Because right now, it's a super important time to stay connected, especially during all these moments of isolation and and social distancing. Yeah, yeah. Um, And we'd love to be praying for you uh, this coming week. So allow us that honor to do that, uh, praying with a pastor. So just write on that digital connect card, write praying with a pastor, and we'll follow up with you this week. We'd love to do that. If you can't do it on our connect card, you can write us an email at prayer at ward.church, prayer at ward.church, and we'll set up that opportunity for you to connect with a pastor and we'd love to pray with you this week. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Now, um, if you want to learn more about us, Ward Church, you can go to www.ward.church. What is that again? Uh, www. Sometimes yeah. I forget how many W's I'm saying. So www.ward.church. Now, there you'll notice that our homepage has been redesigned for our present times because 
there are present times that we're living in. And if you are someone who needs help right now, there's going to be resources there for you. If you're someone that can give help, there's opportunities for you. And there's also ways for all of us to stay connected. You can find ways to stay connected for kids, for teens, and for groups. Man, a lot of great opportunities. Yeah. Uh, one opportunity we have today as a church gathered, this is Easter Sunday, Celebration Sunday, if there ever was one. And uh, for us, I like that, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but this is an opportunity for us to come together as a church to make an impact in our community and around the world. And the opportunity that we have today to do that is through our gifts and through our giving. And so we encourage you today to go to ward.church slash give or go on your app. And there you can set up a reoccurring gift or a one-time gift. I encourage you to think about giving a reoccurring gift as we don't know when the next time we will be together in right. this building. Um, so set up a reoccurring gift. But one other way we can do this, or actually two other ways we can do that, is you can mail in your gift, mail in your gift this week to us, or you can go to drop off your gift here at Ward Church. We have a giving box at Entry Door 1, so you can give your gift online, ward.church slash give, mail in your gift, or drop off your gift here at Entry Door 1, whatever way, make an impact through Ward Church together here locally and around the world. Yeah, it's so great. It's so good. So we want to take a really quick moment to say, Ward Kids, you and your families, from all of us, our Ward Kids team, we miss you, we hope you're doing great, Aww. and we just can't wait till we're back together again. Now, we know that there might be times where you feel a little bit lonely, and that's okay, that is okay, but we know someone who might be a little bit lonelier than you and me, and that is our Playscape. And um, every week, there are dozens and dozens of children that get to play and laugh and have a great time on the Playscape. And, and the Playscape wrote me a letter. Did it? Yeah, yeah, oh, wow. wrote me a letter, sent wow. me in the mail. And um, I just want to read that to you guys. Um, and it just takes a second because it's, it's a little bit difficult. I get choked up a little yeah, bit. It's, it's um, so I miss going through the slide and the tunnels. Playscape says... Dear children, I miss you. Just one more line. And I will see you soon. Mm. So um, anyway, let's, uh, let's move forward. Let's move, let's forward. move on. Let's, let's move, move on. Let's move on. Okay, so today, today is Easter, and we get to celebrate together. I'm excited that when you are here with us, we know that there's kids, there's teens, there's adults, and we're all worshiping together and we're having a great time. Now, what we're about to do is we're gonna watch a video. And this video is a cartoon, but kids, this is especially for you. I want you to know that this story is 100% true. Okay, this Easter story is for everyone. It's for your mom and dad, it's for your grandparents, it's for your uncles and aunts and cousins and friends and neighbors and everyone. This Easter story is so amazing and it's why we celebrate today and it's why we're excited today because we know that Jesus is alive and we get to celebrate that fact together. So let's watch. The story of Easter, Jesus' sacrifice. This is Jesus, hey who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like calming storms 
and even raised people from the dead. Wahoo! The Jewish leaders and teachers did not like what Jesus was doing or how he claimed to be the Son of God. And so they made a plan to arrest him to get rid of him once and for all. Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, agreed to betray Jesus Come in, come in. and give him over to the religious leaders for some money. Jesus was in a garden praying and Judas showed the man who Jesus was. Jesus was arrested and taken to the rulers of the land so that they could decide what to do with him. Jesus was presented before the high council and they asked him if he was the Messiah, the savior of the Jews. They asked him if he was claiming to be the son of God. You say that I am. And the council was furious and they shouted that Jesus was guilty and he deserves to die. So they took Jesus before the Roman ruler Pilate and he heard the case against Jesus. Pilate didn't think that Jesus had done anything wrong. Huh, seems okay to me. They found him to be innocent, so Pilate said that he would punish Jesus and then release him. What? But the crowd kept screaming louder and louder, crucify him, we want him dead. And because of the pressure of the crowd, Pilate turned Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Jesus was hurt and spit on, his clothes were torn and taken from him, and a crown made out of thorns was put on his head. He was beaten so badly that he could barely stand on his own, and then he was forced to carry his cross so far up a mountain that he needed help because he could not do it on his own. Once Jesus made it to the place where he would be crucified, called the skull, the soldiers around him nailed him to the cross and waited for him to die. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, many people shouted to him, If you really are the Son of God, save yourself from the cross. But Jesus knew he had to die to forgive his people for their sins. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land. Three hours later, Jesus took his last breath and finally died. At that very moment, the curtain in the temple that separated the priests from God's holy place tore in two. A soldier watching the whole thing said, this man truly was the son of God. Then a righteous man named Joseph came and placed Jesus' body in a tomb. Three days passed and it seemed that there was no hope. But very early on Sunday morning, the woman who cared for Jesus went to go visit his body and found that his tomb was empty and that he was no longer there. Don't be afraid, said an angel. He is not here. He is risen. At this, the woman remembered that Jesus had told them that he would rise again on the third day. 
and ran to go tell the disciples what they had seen and heard. Huh? Hey, oh! Ah! And then for the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples and many others and showed them that he was alive and well. He taught them that what he did was the only way that they could be forgiven and be with God forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. If you are just now joining us, happy Easter to you. Today is about good news. We've been in a season of bad news, often communicated by numbers. Every day we watch or read the news and we learn what kind of day it has been based on the numbers that are shared. How many people are infected? How many people died? How many points did the stock market rise or fall? And today I want to share some encouraging numbers. And these numbers are just from within our own church family. And we'll start with numbers of volunteers. 121 volunteers sewing medical masks. 65 volunteers shopping and delivering food for people who need it. 12 tech volunteers assisting older members with technology to get online. 19 administrative volunteers organizing these initiatives and more. And of course, I've only mentioned the number of people volunteering directly through our church. I know many of you are volunteering with other agencies and those numbers can't be known to us. Other numbers to celebrate this morning. Masks made to date and delivered to St. Mary's Hospital, Sinai Grace, and several nursing homes, 1,211 Phone calls made to seniors over 70 in the last two weeks, 1,400. Items of non-perishable food items donated to date, estimated at over 2,000 items. Numbers of worshipers online last Sunday, estimated at 3,060. These are encouraging numbers for sure. Thanks to all of you for praying, giving, and serving. And I want to thank especially those of you who are, who are in healthcare who are working on the front lines. We have mobilized an entire group of prayer warriors who are praying specifically for you by name for those we know about and generally for all those working in hospitals and clinics and nursing homes. We appreciate you so much. Today on this Easter Sunday, I wanna share with all of you two numbers that have the ability to affect our lives more than anything else. These numbers are not large in quantity, but they are weighty in significance. I want to spend some time talking about the numbers one and three. Now you might have already guessed because it's Easter that I'm talking about one event, three days. One event, three days. Hope is found in one event and three days. First of all, one historical event. Christianity is unique from other religions in many ways, but one key distinction is this. Christianity did not evolve over time. Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucianism, and even Judaism 
developed gradually around the teachings of one or more persons. The Christian church did not evolve. It sprang into being. It started quite literally overnight. About 2,000 years ago, there was a little country called Israel that was under the oppressive rule of Rome. The people found hope in their scriptures that said that one day God would send a liberator, a messiah, and he would free them from the Roman oppression and he would bring in the kingdom of God. So the people waited and they watched and they hoped and they prayed. And in the middle of all this comes this man, Jesus, a rabbi. In many ways, Jesus stood out from the other potential messiahs. He said the kingdom was coming. He was oddly inclusive of, of women and Gentiles and even Roman soldiers. All rabbis talked about commandments, but he did so with, with a unique kind of authority. And he talked about the greatest commandment being love. One day he was killed, and not just killed, but crucified by Rome. And that should have been the end of the story, and for a while it looked like that was the case. His closest followers were devastated. Uh, they, they were terrified about what was going to happen to them and to their friends. They actually disbanded. They went their separate ways. They were done. It was over. But then in a very short time, they regather. They, they recommit. They, they leave their occupations. They sell their possessions. They devote the rest of their lives to one specific message. And it wasn't a vague message of love, though love was certainly at the center. Their message was that Jesus was the Messiah, that he died on a cross, that he was buried in a tomb, and then on the third day, he returned to life. The Apostle Paul wrote, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then uh, he appeared to the Twelve, and after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. When Paul says, some have fallen asleep, uh, you understand this is a nice biblical way to say that they died. Paul is not talking about people who have fallen asleep in church. Right? We all know that that happens. And one of the benefits of church at home is the preacher can't see you when you fall asleep. Right? Here Paul is not writing about people who sleep in church. He's saying that, that most of the eyewitnesses are still alive. And, and Paul wrote these words within 20 years or so of Jesus' death. And when he says, that which I received, I also passed on to you, that was part of a creed. And scholars think that that creed was written between eight and ten years after Jesus' death, while the eyewitnesses were still around. Right? You, 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 don't, you don't write those kind of things unless the eyewitnesses are actually around to back it up. Jesus appeared to many of his followers after his resurrection, and all of them, without exception, were shocked. They, they were not expecting to see Jesus. They were not expecting resurrection. Jesus appeared to two of his followers on the road to Emmaus, and they were so struck, they said, 
did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us? They ran to his other disciples and they said to them, It is true, the Lord has risen. And that phrase right there, it is true, that's the word indeed in the Easter greeting. This is the passage where that greeting comes from. It's true, it really happened, Christ has risen indeed. It, it, it really happened and it really matters. That first Easter morning, when the women went to the tomb and found it empty, they, they must have thought, this changes everything. This changes everything. And, and notice that what changed them wasn't just their encounter with an empty tomb, but it was their encounter with a resurrected Savior. The cause of true transformation isn't a place, it is a person. His name is Jesus, and everyone who genuinely meets the risen Jesus is changed by the encounter. That's the one. One event, the resurrection of Jesus, a real historical event, and a genuine encounter with the one who conquered death. One. But please note that not all resurrections are immediate. Even the resurrection of Jesus is a three-day story. And this is really important to understand the hope of Easter. There is incredible hope in the number three. Now, I know this is Easter Sunday, but I want to go back to the Old Testament to show you the biblical pattern of this number three. And I am indebted this morning to a talk by John Ortberg for helping me see the connection of this Old Testament story to the story of the resurrection. This is a story you may or may not know. It's recorded in the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. This, is, uh, this happens very early on in the history of Israel. Israel is going into battle with their arch enemies, the Philistines. Israel has already lost one battle with them, so they decide to bring out their secret weapon. They will bring out the Ark of the Covenant into the battle. The Ark of the Covenant was a box that was thought to contain the presence of God. Inside the box was some of the manna, that's the bread-like stuff that God provided in the wilderness, and the Ten Commandments. Those were the closest things the Israelites had to the physical presence of God. So the Ark of the Covenant uh, was considered extremely, extremely holy and precious. It was the very presence of God. The Israelites thought, if the Ark of the Covenant is with us in battle, how can we lose? And certainly the Ark of the Covenant was powerful indeed. Some stories in the Bible talk about how some people touched the Ark physically and died. The presence of God was, was, was too powerful for humans. At the same time, Israel fell into this human tendency that wants to put God in a box, to limit God to a certain place or to our understanding or expectations. But God will not be contained or controlled. They go into battle and it is a disaster. They, they get trounced. Many people die. And worst of all for them, the Ark of the Covenant is captured. This is unthinkable. This is like losing the presence of God that makes them distinct as a people. They have lost everything. And this is where the story gets interesting. The Philistines carry the Ark of the Covenant off to a city called Ashrod, Ashdod, in the, in the, in the, into the temple of their god called Dagon. The priests take the Ark inside of their temple and they place it next to the statue of Dagon. And then the Philistines cheer because they think that their god, Dagon, has prevailed over Yahweh, the god of Israel. And they celebrate, they have a big feast. 
they chant their favorite chants, they tell their favorite battle stories, and then everybody goes home. Now it's night. There, there's no one present to see or hear what's going on. And something happens in the temple during the night. The priests come back at dawn, and the text says, when the people of Ashdod rose in early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. Dagon's priests realize it does not look good to have their God bowing down to the God of Israel, Yahweh. So they dust off their God and they prop him back up. And all day long on the second day, the Philistines come into the temple to celebrate their victory and to offer sacrifices and to sing songs to the great Dagon. And then it's night again and the priests turn off the lights and they all go home. And do you want to guess what happens next? The next morning, when they come in, the priests find that once more Dagon, their god, their statue, has fallen on the ground before the ark of the Lord. And not only that, but this time, his, his head and his hands have been cut off and laid neatly across the threshold of the temple. And all that was left of Dagon inside the temple was a stump. Wouldn't you love to know what happened? The text does not tell us. All we know is that this is a three-day story. The first day is a very dark day. It looks like the God of Israel is defeated and the glory is gone. Hope is lost. Heaven is silent. And some days are like that. Then there's the second day. And the second day is a day of hidden combat. It's a day of ambiguity and anxiety. And some days are like that. But there's a third day. On the third day, the story takes a 180 degree turn. The idol is overturned. The time of captivity is over. God is going to come home to his people because the third day is God's day. The third day is the day of hope. God is the God of the third day. He's the third day God. And this is kind of a recurring pattern in the Old Testament. Israel gets in trouble. God will rescue but there's a period of waiting, a period of anticipation, and usually it's three days long. When a hero named Joseph was in prison, he said to Pharaoh's cupbearer, within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. When the Israelites arrive at Sinai, God says to them, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. The third day. When Jonah is swallowed and is in the belly of the great fish, anybody want to guess how many days he's in the belly of the great fish? He's there three days before he's released. The third day was, was so uh, frequently used in this way that it became kind of a technical expression, meaning a time to wait for deliverance. Right now things are bad. Right now hope is gone, but a better day is coming. All right, that's, that's the Old Testament. That's uh, Old Testament. Jump now to the New Testament. God comes again. This time he comes not in a box, but in a person. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. And that word for dwelling is the same word as tabernacle. 
the writer is being very deliberate here. The tabernacle was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept before the temple was built. The presence of God is now not in the tabernacle, but in a person, Jesus. We have seen his glory. The glory has now returned. But the world didn't know what to do with him. So in the end, they lashed him with a whip, hung him on a cross, and laid him in a tomb. That was the first day. That was a dark day. That was a day of deep disappointment. The glory had appeared for a little while, and now it was dead and gone. The second day didn't look any better. On the second day, Pontius Pilate posted a guard to stand watch over the tomb because he was in charge now, and he wanted to be sure that nothing happened to the body that was contained in that tomb. Jesus is locked in a tomb for safekeeping. But Jesus isn't safe, and he can't be contained in a box. Jesus will not be quarantined. Death can't hold him. Uh, but for now, in this moment, he's in a tomb. That was the second day. That was a dark day. But the story of Jesus is a three-day story. A three-day story. This is so significant for us right now where we live in our world. Maybe your life feels pretty dark right now. Maybe you feel like everything in life is stacked up against you at this moment and you've lost hope. And know that a third day is coming. God is the God of the third day. Right On the third day, the stone was rolled away. On the third day, a crucified carpenter came back to life. On the third day, hope was restored and glory returned. On the third day, everything changes. In fact, after this, the followers of Jesus switched from observing the Sabbath, Saturday, to observing the Lord's Day, Sunday, Resurrection Day, as if to make a very public statement to say, we are third day people now. You never know what might happen on the third day. One event, three days, and everything changes. I want to give you a moment uh, now just between you and God on this Easter Sunday to talk with God and maybe to make a decision. So would you bow your heads wherever you are and you talk to God while I, while I talk to you. Some of you are at the beginning stages of thinking about God and faith and uh, you have uh, lots of questions and not much information. And I encourage you to make a decision today that you will investigate, that you will seek after answers, that you will get a Bible, that you will uh, be around people for whom you can ask your questions and, and that you will say, I'm going to make this a priority in my life. I will seek. Some of you have heard about Jesus' death and resurrection before, but you've never personally responded to it. And this would be an excellent day to do that on this Easter Sunday. You can say to God right now, I understand about Jesus and I understand about his love for me. And I know that I've gotten away from that kind of life. So now on this Easter Sunday, I receive your forgiveness and your life. From this day forward, I will follow you. Some of you are here today and you are filled with gratefulness because you have received the power of the resurrection in your life. You have been changed by the risen Savior. And you may want to use this moment right now to say thank you to God. To take a moment right now in your prayer to thank God for his goodness in your life. But some of you are here today and you're carrying a huge burden. You are filled with deep anxiety or fear or worry. And you can use this moment right now to give it to Jesus. He knows all your pain, past and present, 
and he endured it on the cross. Remember today that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He is the Lord of the third day. And even though you can't see it now, God is at work. God has not forgotten you. You can hope again. God, this Easter we remember one event, the resurrection of Jesus. And we remember the hope of the third day. We give you thanks for all things and we do so in the name of the risen Savior. We give you thanks in the name of our living hope, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
And now may the God of Easter, the God of the third day, our living hope, be with you now and evermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Happy Easter.